0: This morning, we're going to look in God's Word at a woman who made a great choice. She made a decision. It wasn't a New Year's resolution, but it was a life-changing decision. And if we were to apply her decision and her choice to our life this morning, our lives would be changed in the new year, and even beyond that. We're going to look at a woman who sought after Jesus, so much so that she was so close to Jesus, she could reach out. And touch him. And not Jesus' life was changed based upon her touch, but her touch was accompanied by faith, and because of her faith, her life was changed forever. Let's go to Luke chapter eight. Luke chapter eight. A story that you may recall, the woman that touched the hem of Jesus' garment, but there's so many principles and so many truths that we can pull out of this today and apply in our lives and set our New Year's resolutions. Or make a decision that will change our lives forever. Let's see how this woman's life was touched when she touched Jesus. Luke chapter 8 verse 40. And it came to pass that when Jesus was returned, the people gladly received him. For they were all waiting for him. And behold, there came a man named Jairus. And he was a ruler of the synagogue. And he fell down at Jesus' feet and besought him that he would come into his house. For he had only one daughter, about 12 years of age, and she lay a dying. But as he went, the people thronged him. And a woman, having an issue of blood 12 years, which had spent all her living upon physicians, neither could be healed of any, came behind him and touched the border of his garment. And immediately her issue of blood staunched. And Jesus said, Who touched me? When all denied, Peter and they that were with him said, Master, the multitude thronged thee and pressed thee, and sayest thou, Who touched me? And Jesus said, Somebody hath touched me, for I perceive the virtue has gone out of me. And when the woman saw that she was not hid, she came trembling and falling down before him. She declared unto him before all the people for what cause she had touched him and how she was healed immediately. And he said unto her, Daughter, be of good comfort. Thy faith hath made thee whole. Go in peace. I had the great opportunity of growing up in Latrobe, Pennsylvania. Has anyone ever been to Latrobe, Pennsylvania? Wow, we've had a, we have a few. I'm surprised. Latrobe, Pennsylvania is kind of a small town on the outskirts of Pittsburgh. It's about an hour from Pittsburgh. And Latrobe is known for a few things. One of those things is Mr. Rogers. How many of you grew up watching Mr. Rogers? Yeah, Mr. Rogers. He just wants to be your neighbor, right? He's such a cool guy, always wearing his cardigans and his canvas shoes, and he would always cross his leg and tie him. Mr. Rogers was a cool dude. We also had Arnold Palmer. Any Arnold Palmer fans? Any golfers? How many of you like the drink Arnold Palmer? Yeah, that's sweet tea lemonade, in case you didn't know. I love Arnold Palmer. That's Latrobe, Pennsylvania. But even more than those two things, we had the Pittsburgh Steelers training camp. Any Steelers fans? Any Browns fans? Oh boy, you guys are brave to raise your hand. You are brave. But we had the Steelers training camp. It was held at St. Vincent's College, a, a local Catholic school. And I would go there every summer and watch them practice. Not only would I watch them practice, but I was able to get autographs. It was great. You would see them practice. You would see your favorite players out there. I remember guys like Jerome the Bus Bettis. I got his autograph. There was other guys like Carnell Lake, who was a great safety for them, Lavon Kirkland, a great linebacker. I'm losing some of you, so I'll bring you back in. There was one player that I remember watching, and he was in the Pro Bowl almost every year. He was from Hawaii, he went to USC, he wore number 43, and he had some crazy hair. His name was Troy Palomalu. Anyone remember this guy? He got tackled by his hair a couple times. That's Troy Palomalu. I remember watching him one practice and after practice, I would kind of key in on someone and I would try to seek him out in the crowd so I could get their autograph. And man, he was in the prime of his career. He was a beast on the field. There were so many times he would just jump over the line of scrimmage and block a kick or get a sack. I loved watching this guy play. So I found Troy Polamalu, and I'm watching him and I kind of make my way through the crowd and I go right up to him. And I was actually the first one right there to meet him after practice. And I look at him right in the eye Well, I looked up to him. (laughs) And I just said something like, Troy, can I get an autograph? And he looked at me and I was so excited. I'm waiting for him to grab the sharpie and pen and sign it for me. And he said, not today, kid. Yeah. Oh, that's right. For the ladies who maybe don't follow football or men that don't, he was also in a head and shoulders commercial, just so you remember. (laughs) Yeah. I wanted to throw that in there. There was another commercial where kids tried to say his name, and they were like, Troy Palomalu and things like that. But that's Troy Palomalu, And he said, not today. And man, I was kind of heartbroken. I felt sad. I was maybe 12 or 13 years old. And then Troy Palomalu started to walk away. And I can't tell you why. To this day, I don't know why. But for some reason, I reached out. And I just touched his hair. I touched it. That hair. After three or four hours worth of practice wearing a helmet, nothing special happened. It was just greasy, sweaty hair. With this hand, my right hand. I still don't wash this hand, so if you've shaken my hand, in essence, you've touched Troy Polamalu. So I'm glad I could share that with you. But when I touched him, nothing happened, nothing special, nothing amazing, nothing phenomenal, other than I have a pretty cool story to tell. In our passage of scripture, there was a lady who went through the crowd to seek after someone. It wasn't Troy Polamalu, it was Jesus Christ. And when she touched him, something phenomenal happened. Something amazing, something breathtaking, something life-changing. Her life was touched forever. This morning, we're going to notice three key components of this passage of Scripture that we can apply to our lives today. Number one, you'll notice that she was in a bleak position. A bleak position. Have you ever been in a tough spot? I mean, financially, maybe just not sure how you're going to make ends meet. Maybe you know at work that it's just a matter of time before they start laying off again. Maybe as a parent you just can't seem to get through to your kids and you're just in a tough spot. This lady in our story was in a predicament, a bleak position. She unfortunately had a prolonged illness. She has had this physical ailment for 12 years. 12 years she has been in pain. 12 years she has been in discomfort. She's not been at full health. Issue means a flowing. For 12 years she has had an issue of blood which would indicate that she had hemorrhaging or uh, an outward source of bleeding that she could not stop for 12 years. Could you imagine? I get a headache for 12 seconds and I'm running to my wife for ibuprofen or to rub some essential oils on my temples. It works. It works. Trust me. You should try that in the new year. 12 years she struggled with this. She suffered from this condition, from the constant blood loss. This poor woman had been, would have been weak and anemic. She would have been pale. Just her daily activities of just getting out of bed would have worn her out. For 12 years she suffered. Mark five twenty nine, uh, another passage of scripture in Mark's gospel that shares the same story. Mark Uses the word plague, which is the same word that is translated whip elsewhere in the New Testament. Her disease was like a scourge, constantly beating her down. Like a whip, constantly punishing her. Twelve years. She's in a bleak position because of her prolonged illness, but also because of the physician's inability. This poor lady is at the end of herself, and now she's at the end of her bank account. It says in verse 43... ...of the passage that we read... ...and the woman having an issue of blood 12 years... ...had spent all her living upon physicians... ...neither could be healed of any... ...she has spent all her earnings... ...all her savings on her local, daughter, or local doctors... ...and not one can help her... ...not one has a cure... ...not one has pres- prescribed the right medication... ...not one has put her through the right procedure... ...or the right test... ...she has no cure... Again in Mark's gospel, Mark five twenty six, the Bible says that she suffered many things and many physicians, and had spent all that she had, and was nothing bettered, but rather grew worse. Could you imagine waking up every day twelve years and saying, Maybe today's the day, I'm gonna try a new doctor? I have hope in this doctor today. I I read some good reviews. I saw maybe their practice is a little different. Maybe they'll prescribe a medication that will work. And today's the day. Nothing. She went through all this. She suffered through all the tests. Nothing. A bleak position. 12 years of suffering. That's 4,380 days. Could you imagine? Imagine. Could you imagine her maybe keeping a tally mark of all the days that she's been sick? 4,380 days of sickness. And now, worst of all, she's tried all the local doctors. There's no one else she can try. All her money is gone. What is she to do now? She looks at her bank statement She, she spent all, that all her savings has been used. Things are bleak. Have you been there Maybe you're there now. Maybe you're in a situation where you feel like, I've lost hope. I have nowhere else to turn. I have no answers. I've tried everything that I know to try. You've seen the doctors. You've applied for every job out there. You've been part of relationships that you thought would help you, but instead they've hurt you. Are you in a situation, in a tough spot today? 2016 may have left you hurting. You may feel like the last 365 days are compared to her 4,380 days of suffering. But 2017 is a new year. Today is a new day to choose help. And that help that she received came from Jesus Christ. I'm so glad that the story is not over with just her issue of blood for 12 years. The story doesn't end at day 4,380, but it continues. The story carries on. This lady thought that she had tried everything she knew to try until... She heard about Jesus. You see, she was in a bleak position, but she developed a very bold plan. A very bold plan. She had every reason in the world to just say, my life is over. Twelve years I've tried. Twelve years i spent my money. Twelve years I've gone to doctors. I'm just going to throw in the towel. There's no other reason to try. There's no other reasons to suffer. I'm done trying. But somehow, and maybe from someone she heard about Jesus. Maybe she heard that Jesus had just healed a leper. Maybe she heard that uh, Jesus changed the life of the maniac of Gadara. Maybe she heard that four friends lowered their, their friend through a roof and Jesus healed them. Maybe she heard that Jesus raised someone from the dead. Maybe she heard that Jesus turned water into wine. Whatever she heard, she had heard enough that she would risk her life, literally risk her life, To go after Jesus. Her plan was to get so close to Jesus that she could reach out and touch him. She chased after Jesus. Verse 44 says that she came behind him. You see, she wasn't just satisfied watching and waiting and being a spectator. She had a mission. She had a goal. She had a drive. She had a desire to get so close to Jesus that she could touch him. In verse 40 of the original chapter we read, it says, And it came to pass that when Jesus was returned, the people gladly received him, for they were all waiting for him. So there's a crowd of people. There was a crowd of people that day. Dozens, hundreds. Jesus had a large following, maybe even thousands of people that were waiting for Jesus and watching. Too often we find ourselves being part of the crowd rather than the lady with the issue of blood. Too often we find ourselves just waiting and saying, I'm just going to watch. I'm not going to give everything I have to pursue Jesus. You do understand 12 years of sickness. She's pale, she's weak, she's anemic. Getting out of bed was tough. Doing her daily activities in the home was difficult. Traveling 30 miles to find Jesus, fight through a crowd get so close to him, I'm sure his disciples watched over him, get so close to him that she could physically touch him. She put it all on the line, all on the line. She risked it all to get close to Jesus. Not only did she risk her life, I mean, she risked public humiliation. She was considered unclean. If you're unclean, you're told to yell that you're unclean. You're told to stay away from people. You're defiled. And she risked that to get so close to him to touch him. You weren't supposed to touch anyone, let alone Jesus Christ. This lady risked everything to get close to Jesus. We want to be around Jesus. We want to hear him speak. We want to learn about all the miracles that he's done. We want to maybe even see him work a miracle in someone else's life. But sacrifice? Sacrifice for him to work in our life? That's a different topic. That's a different subject. That's something that we too often and I too often don't actively pursue. She had to be very determined because by the very nature of her disease, it would have taken all the energy she had to drag herself out of bed. This lady was determined. Don't be like the crowd. Rather, pattern your following after the lady who wanted to get so close to Jesus that she could physically touch him. You see, she wasn't satisfied with watching Jesus work in her friend's life. She wasn't happy just hearing him speak. She wanted more. What do you want in 2017? Do you want to get so close to Jesus? You say, come on, I I can't walk 30 miles and go through a crowd and touch Jesus. Obviously not. Spiritually speaking, are you walking with God? Spiritually speaking, are you in tune with the Holy Spirit? Spiritually speaking, are you in one with Jesus Christ? Are you so close that you feel like you can touch him? Not only did she chase after Jesus, she actually contacted Jesus. She touched him. With faith like a child, this lady got close enough to Jesus to touch the hem of his garment. She had a plan to touch him because of her faith. Touch, actually, if we were to look up the the Greek definition of it, means to cling or adhere to. So many times we read the the gospel stories here and we think of her just kind of, maybe just partially swiping the hem of his garment. But she was actually close enough that she could cling to it. That she had a handful of his garment. When I think of someone who was close to God, I think of a man in the Old Testament. Let's go to Genesis chapter 5. Genesis chapter 5. And let's see someone who was very, very close to God. Genesis chapter 5. I remember one day... I came across this passage of scripture actually in 2016, uh, just in my daily Bible reading, and I began reading the chapter, and I thought, why am I here in this chapter today? Have you ever been there, the genealogies? Does anyone get excited to read the genealogies in the Old Testament? Anyone at all? No. Not too many of us. There's one guy back there. Not too many of us. And I got to this chapter, and I thought, you know, I could probably skip over this, and I'm not going to miss too much. But I didn't. And I'm so thankful that I did. The beginning of the chapter starts off, God speaking about Adam and Eve. And then he goes through the generations. This is actually the first family tree that we find in the Bible. There's eight generations covered in this passage of scripture. We're not going to read the whole chapter this morning. Before we get into it, have any of you ever created a family tree? Ever created a family tree? A few of you. I remember in middle school, I believe it was a history class. I was uh, challenged, given the assignment. To develop a family tree. And of course you know who your cousins are. You know mom and dad, brothers and sisters, uh, grandparents, but you don't know everyone in your family tree. And my grandmother, she's very excited to talk about my family. She's actually traced us all the way back to the Mayflower and things like that. So it's something she enjoys doing. So I gave my grandmother a call and I began to talk to her about various people in my family. People in my family uh like my great grandpa Carlos. I think we have a picture of him on the screen for you. This is my grandpa Carlos. He's a good looking guy, huh? Looks like me a little bit, without a beard. That's why I don't shave. I would look like that. So no, he looks good. That's my grandpa Carlos. And she began to talk about different people in my family and for some individuals she didn't have much to say. This is who they are, this is how you're related. They lived this long, they had this many kids. But when she would get to my grandpa Carlos, man, was she excited. This is her father. She had so much to say about him. She would tell me how he used to sing on the radio in Mexico and would get paid to do it. I didn't get that gene. I can't sing at all. She would talk about how he was a boxer in Mexico. I think we have a picture there. I did get that gene. I'm a great boxer, so look out. His name is, uh, as a boxer, his name was the Mexican Flash. So if you want to call me the Mexican Flash, that's, that's acceptable. We'll take that. Pastor Mexican Flash. We can, we can roll with that. Grandpa Carlos. I remember her telling me also that he married my great-grandma Frances, who would later die in a car accident. My great-grandma Francis was a German lady, and he's a Mexican man. And Mexicans aren't very tall, as you can see. He's uh, five foot tall, and she was six foot tall. So you can imagine them walking down the street holding hands, and he's like this. <laughs> "Hey, Francis, That's my grandpa Carlos. She loved talking about him. And in this passage of Scripture in Genesis chapter five, or chapter five, we see all these generations. And God doesn't have anything negative to say about these individuals, but he says they lived and they died." They lived, they had a son, they had a daughter. They lived 800 and something years, 700 years, and they died. That doesn't mean they're bad people. That doesn't mean that they were caught up in wickedness or sin. That just doesn't mean that God didn't really have too much to say about them. But then we jump to verse 22 of the passage. Genesis 5, verse 22. And Enoch walked with God after he begot Methuselah 300 years and begot sons and daughters. Eight generations, Adam, Eve, Cain, Abel, we know their story, Seth, individuals after them, and then he has to wait till he gets to Enoch, and then he says, this man walked with me. You know what else I find cool about this verse? Is that Enoch didn't wake up on earth, born on earth one day, and automatically he's walking with the Lord. It took him until he had his son and he was 300 years old and then he began walking with God. Do you know what that tells me? That tells me Enoch had a starting point. That tells me Enoch made a decision. That tells me Enoch one day made a choice and said, I'm going to walk with God. Today's a great day to make a decision. It's January 1st. It's a brand new year. Today is no better day day than to decide I will walk with God. I will get close to Jesus Christ. I will do all that I can to be a disciple of Jesus. I will follow Jesus. I will stay faithful in his word. I will stay faithful to his word. I'll stay faithful to church. I'll get involved in church. This is the best day to decide. Enoch made a choice. For him, it was 300 years old. And he said, I will walk with God. She was so close to God that she could physically contact him. She made a bold plan. She made a decision to get closer to Jesus than she had ever been before. A decision to be a true follower of Christ. She made a decision to choose Jesus over bitterness. Could you imagine 12 years? She had to let that go. She made a decision to choose Jesus over anger. Jesus over discouragement. Jesus over depression. Jesus over selfishness. Jesus over disbelief. Jesus over complaining, Jesus over pride, Jesus over self, Jesus over sin, Jesus over everything. That's the same decision we need to make in 2017, that we will choose Jesus over everything else. Nothing else matters. Bitterness, I'm going to let it go. Depression, I'm going to get over that. I'm going to choose Jesus. Discouragement, I'm going to stay encouraged through God's word. I'm going to choose Jesus This lady had been sick for 12 years. She could have very easily chose to be discouraged, chose to be angry that she has been sick with no relief. She could have chose to be depressed that God hasn't healed her yet. She could have chose to complain about her situation, as many of us do. But she chose to go after Jesus. How is this decision made? It's made through faith. That is the only way this decision is made. Is through faith. Enoch was a man of faith. He's listed in the hall of faith in Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews chapter 11 verse 6 simply says, Without faith, it is impossible to please him. That is the only way you will actually pursue Jesus Christ is if you have faith in doing so. You see, faith always determines your actions. Your beliefs always determine your actions. Your faith in God will determine your closeness to God. Big faith, big relationship. If you have faith in God. Because of the sick lady's faith, she was close enough to Jesus to touch him. Bleak position, bold plan, and lastly, a breathtaking phenomenon. A breathtaking phenomenon. What a beautiful picture. Can you see it now? The lady, 12 years I'm sure by the time she gets to Capernaum where Jesus is, I'm sure she is so worn out. She has no one helping her, no one to lower her through the roof, no one to carry her on a bed. It's just her and her faith. And she muscles through the crowd. I imagine her on her knees crawling through the crowd. And she gets so close to where she can see Jesus. And I'm sure her mind's telling her, just give up. Your body's weak. But her faith is saying, press on. It's worth it. Just get to Jesus. She gets so close to him that she touches. Grabs a hold of the hem of his garment. And clings to it. Almost out of desperation. Like this is my last hope. Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ then says, who touched me? Because I know that virtue has come out of me. Virtue. Means power. We get our modern words like dynamite and dynamite and uh, dynamic from it. Power. There was so much power that flowed out of Jesus that day to heal her. We serve a mighty God. The garment that Jesus was wearing, it did not contain any power. It wasn't a magical robe or a mystical cloak. There was no power in what he wore. But there's power through Jesus. First Chronicles twenty nine eleven says, "Thine, O Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory." And the victory and the majesty for all that is in the heaven and in the earth is thine. Thine is the kingdom, O Lord, and thou art exalted as head above all. You do understand that we serve a mighty God, don't you? Amen. When we can't find the answers, you may have searched for 12 years. You may have searched for 12 days. You may be searching now. Jesus is the answer. He is mighty. His power was demonstrated and his love was. Was displayed, As we picture again the scene, the lady had just touched Jesus' garment. And she immediately knew she was healed. And then she hears Jesus asking, who touched me? Peter, always the most vocal of the group, says, Jesus, come on. There's hundreds, thousands of people here. And you want to know who touched you? Of course people have pressed up against you. Of course people have touched you. And Jesus, already knowing what happened, says, no, no. Someone has touched me, because I know that power has come out of me. The virtue is gone out of me. The lady realized she was not hid from Jesus's view, and she saw Jesus, and I believe looked him right in the eye at that point. She fell down, trembling, and she declared what Jesus had done. I love that the Bible uses the word that she declared in verse 47. She declared, She was excited about it. I know that she was fearful because, again, she risked public humiliation because she was unclean and she shouldn't have been near anyone, let alone Jesus Christ. So she was fearful. But at the same time, she was so excited that she had relief, that her hope, that her faith is now come true, that Jesus Christ has healed her. Jesus, with his love, called her daughter Did you know that this is the only passage of scripture that Jesus refers to someone as daughter? This signifies a change in relationship. Before, Jesus Christ was just a stranger to her, someone she had heard about, but now he's actually her Savior. Is Jesus still a stranger to you? Is Jesus someone that you hear about and you think, just like she thought, wow, that's great, he does miracles and I know he helped my friends out and I know he's changed my friend's life, but me, I I don't know if he can help me. Jesus wants to be your savior. Jesus doesn't want to be a stranger in your life. Jesus wants to save you. Jesus with love said, daughter, be of good comfort. Thy faith hath made thee whole. The word whole is the same word translated as saved. All the time in the New Testament. It means to be uh, rescued from all harm and danger, to be kept safe and sound. Her action of touching Jesus may have made her physically whole, but her faith in Jesus Christ made her spiritually whole. Isn't that amazing? She got more than she wanted that day. She wanted physical help. She wanted to be healed physically. But because of her faith demonstrated, she was saved physically. The same salvation that Jesus Christ offers you and I. Jesus desires the same exact thing for you today. He wants to make you spiritually whole. He has demonstrated his power when he willingly gave his life on the cross, and he demonstrated and displayed his love when he died for you and for I. Jesus Christ. What's your position like today? Maybe it's bleak. Maybe you're barely holding on. You you're just not sure what to do. You don't know where else to turn. 2016 has just been brutal to you and you're ready for a new start, a fresh start. There's no better way than to start with Jesus Christ. Maybe, maybe you're already there and you know who Jesus is. He's your savior. But how about chasing after him this year? How about making a decision, a new year's resolution, if you will, to pursue Jesus Christ? Jesus Christ. To get so close to him that you can spiritually touch him. We think about Enoch again in the Old Testament. If he walked with God, that means he was walking in the same direction. You can't walk with someone and walk in different directions, different speeds. Enoch walked with God. Maybe you need to make that decision today. Maybe you don't know Jesus at all. Today is the day of salvation. Today is the day for him to go from stranger to savior.